We're coming in hot with inspiring guests, witty banter, and colorful commentary for today's veterans and military community. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. And once again, welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima Experience. We're still here. We're still here. Actually, we're no longer at the Vienna Post. I'm back at JDHQ with the Whoopi. And uh, Ashley, how, have so you recovered JDHQ from JDHQ with the Whoopi? <laughs> JDHQ with Say the Whoopi. that three times fast. <laughs> That's a t-shirt, mm. super producer. An all cami t-shirt that says yeah, JDHQ all the way down with the Whoopi. letters. And we could put like we could superimpose a will be behind it. I'm very excited about this idea. I know. If if uh, if uh, the Legion doesn't do it, I think Jeff Daly Incorporated to be because it's not a thing yet. Um, well, we'll have to, we'll have to do that. Has Virginia and the D.C. What do you call the whole area? DMV. The DMV, which is a bad word in california because it's department of motor vehicles where <laughs> you spend many hours in line waiting for someone to not care about you at all so uh has the has the east coast dmv recovered from my visit i'd i'd like to hope so <laughs> and i i mean i think you knew why i was there i was there uh working boys nation mm-hmm. we had a lot of fun the kids, you know, they got to go to the hill. They even got to tour the White House. Grownups did not, except one chaperone each. Mm-hmm. So I still have never seen the White House. And actually, if there's anybody out there that can help me, I have literally one bucket item, one thing. I want to go bowling at the White House bowling alley. That's all I want to do in my life. I can be <laughs> done after that. Um, nope, no great accomplishments I need to get done. No seven wonders of the world. I just want to bowl at the White House. That's all I want to do. So we were there. The kids got to, they got to do wreaths at the tomb of the unknown soldier. They, uh, they got to see monuments. They sing. I don't know if you know that about Boys Nation, because uh, there's, there's a motto. It's singing boys are happy boys. Happy boys. And we we doubled down <laughs> we doubled down on that um i think i think we're gonna wait do we have do we have video coverage now if, if you're not watching this on youtube you're gonna miss something but i i, I mean you're gonna hear it still but it's something you definitely want to see so tune into youtube and check this out from the halls of Our country's battles in the air, on land, and sea. First to fight for right and freedom, and to keep our honor clean. We are proud to claim the title of United States Marine. All right, so Ashley. What'd you think of the experience that I laid upon these young men? The, the JD experience? Yes. 
in 4K high def, <laughs> bellowing out the Iwo Jima Memorial. It was amazing. Wow. I, I expect was... nothing less from you. I actually thought you'd be a little louder, though. I'm kind of disappointed in that, bud. You got... <gasps> I'm trying to... Ooh, oh, God. Don't make me... Don't make me up in here because I'm back in LA. Oh, the, yeah. the helicopters are circling, think something's going on. So I'm just going to leave bring, it at bring that. Bring out the, the, the J Dog. Hmm? <laughs> the J Dog. Well, it's, it's all right. Wait, what did you say? You said the J Dog? I said J Dog. That's a very interesting segue. Because hmm. we have a new friend. Um, and I'm going to let everybody know if you meet him. You're going to instantly bond with him if you call him T-Dog. <laughs> T-Dog 5000. He's gone through some modifications, up, some upgrades over the years. Uh, and today we're going to be joined by Dr. Travis Martin, a.k.a. T-Dog. Dr. Martin is a director of the Kentucky Center for Veteran Studies at Eastern Kentucky University and author of War and Homecoming, Veteran Identity and the post 9-11 generation. You'll know why I said that later. Uh, he served as a sergeant in the army deploying to Iraq in 2003 and 2005. We're gonna be back with Dr. Martin. Nope, we're gonna be back with T-Dog right after the break. Raising money for your American Legion programs has never been so easy. Terry Lynn Fundraising offers customized fundraising programs, dedicated support, discounts and incentives, and premium products for your members to sell. We're talking delicious nuts, confections, and snack mixes that will keep your supporters coming back for more. You can see how simple and effective Terry Lynn can be to use for your next fundraiser when you request a free tasting sample at terrylynn.com al. Check it out and get ready to have the most successful fundraiser yet. Visit terrylynn.com al. All right, we are back here again. And as you can tell from my serious voice, we have a very distinguished guest. He is Dr. Martin. Dr. Martin, please uh, welcome yourself to the most sophomoric class you've ever encountered in your entire life, Tango Alpha Lima. So oh, sophomores. Wow. I, I normally teach freshmen. I've moved up in the world. So, uh, yeah. Oh, sophomoric. Uh, sophomoric. Okay. So, yeah. I, well, Dr. Martin is not necessary. Uh, my students call me T-Dog 5,000, not 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. And uh, Travis will work for the purposes of today, I think. Or if you want to call me T-Dog the whole time, that's fine too. You but, dog. I love You have that. no idea how much I want to just say that with a straight face the entire thing. So please, T-Dog, could yeah. you explain? Uh, <laughs> I'm down. That's Let's a great try start. I'll try anything. It's awesome. All right. So we're going to get into some things today. We, we, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. Uh, you should leave with Tango F Lima being a part of you. That's the experience. And that experience starts out with Miss Ashley with her Yay. spectacles and her lovely hair. It's very, Thank you, you look very uh, put together. Like, Beautiful, yeah, like a like a time thing, like a what do you call that? Smart. As you were saying, you got that old school hairstyle. Kind yes, of she's over there trying to. She's the classic very glasses, LA. like somebody she's from over like there. the Roaring Twenties or something. Going yes, on. I get she's that. She's over there. She's over there pretending she's here in LA fishing for compliments. When I had a very specific thing in mind, 
Well, it's very period it. piece. You're very period Brevity. piece right now. Poignant. Okay. Stop, comp- stop self-complimenting yourself and move on. Let's go. I do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First question out the gate, T-Dog. No, I'm just <laughs> I love the T-Dog. T-Dog. <laughs> Travis, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be full disclosure. I... Jeff gives me crap about this all the time. He's like, Ashley, you're a super nerd. I love to read. I noticed your bookshelf behind you. You've told us that those are all the books, all of your books and partner's books, all of the above. Kudos. Just want to say hashtag life goals right there. So thank you for inspiring me in my, my nerdy endeavors. Jeff is, Jeff's face, of course, is priceless right now. Because I'm thinking hashtag nightmare. <laughs> you know what <laughs> i just sometimes i just don't have words but i do have a question so travis i want to know a little bit more about your military experience and how that shaped your current academic and education trajectory okay kind of take us takes us to that chapter one all right so uh let's see november 2002 I was failing all my college classes and I walked into the recruiter's office and I told him I'd screwed my life up early and I was looking for a way out. And um, he said to me, so this is just the bottom of the barrel for you, son. And I said, yes. And I did not realize I was insulting this man in his entire career. Um, but he was more than happy to help, let me help him meet his quota. And sure enough, I was a uh, enlisted as an 88 Mike truck driver, heavy motor transport operator. And then my basic and advanced in um, uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And then the last week of AIT, I uh, saw the tanks rolling into Baghdad on the TV in our day room. And they all said, that's where you're going. And so I had a contract for Germany and I got to go to Germany for about a month. And then I joined my unit downrange and uh, 2003 deployment to early 2004. We did uh, supply convoys from Kuwait up to the Sunni Triangle. So we would take like water and uh, food and supplies and ammo and stuff like that to uh, Biop, Baghdad International Airport, Talil, uh, Blah, places like that. Did that with the palletized loading system trucks, the big ones with the little hooks on them that would come down and pick up the flat rack. And so it was kind of like Mad Max in 03. We, you know, throw black vest over our doors or not have doors and cut holes in the roofs of our trucks to make ha- uh, turrets and stuff like that. And I always make the joke. We had a uh, lobster one Friday before we had armor in our flak vest. So that's uh, some of the irony that started to kind of uh, pick up. And then did about nine months in Germany after that first deployment. Uh, you can imagine uh, being 19 years old, uh, six months or, you know, first four and a half months we're partying because we got back and the second four and a half partying because we were leaving and then i uh, went back to iraq uh, in 2005 uh, for the whole year and uh, we were uh, doing convoy escort missions in the anbar province that year and uh, did that as a 240 bravo machine gunner uh, got my sergeant rank that deployment and back to germany uh, did my final 11 months and got out as a sergeant outstanding all, all about that sergeant life. Yeah, E5, you know, that's when they told me you, you can't carry around that wrench anymore. You have to do actual work. No one's falling for it. Here's your stripes. Okay. Here, here's your clipboard. Yeah, yeah I used a wrench because we have motor pools. Clipboards yeah. are the equivalent, though. Yeah, no, understood. I was military police and uh, I always had like 
I always had my paperwork on me and a clipboard that would just like fold open and I'd have like a little pen attached and had my name on it because everyone used to take my pens. Yeah. They were the good ones that's that when I did the signatures on all the hand receipts, they looked really nice. I can see you're well versed in sham artistry. I am, sir. You I have am. you have zero idea. And this is why you're Dr. T Dog. <laughs> I have that wrench in my office. It technically belongs to the army, but found its way into my bag. And they're gonna come after it now. I'll oh, army boy. if you want your wrench back. It doesn't fit anything. I was very careful to pick one that did not actually serve a function so I wouldn't have to do work. So of course I have your wrench. You could you know how much it. money that thing they probably paid for that? Probably like four thousand dollars you know, in the army. <laughs> I had to guess, yeah. Oh man, knowing that hand receipt, I can only imagine. So, so did he did he answer your whole question, Ashley? Academic, he told me a significant you, amount of military experience. No, because you were really you were really like set on using the word trajectory with him. Yeah. So I just make, yeah. I just, so I need to talk about what happened next, right? Ooh, chapter two. Oh, yeah. thing, things did happen next. Let me tell you. So I went back to Kentucky where I'm from Somerset. And uh, I said, I, you know, I could go to any school where right? I had the GI bill, but I wanted to go back to that college I'd flunked out of. It was important to me. And I did. And while I was there, I, you know, I'd started, I said, I want to be a writer. I figured out the first time around, I'd majored in business, but I didn't really care about business. And that kind of impacted my motivation. So I said, I'm going to do what I want. You know, so I said, I want to be a writer. So I went to one of my professors and I said, I want to be a writer, but also want to have a place to live, not be homeless. All right. And so, yeah. And so she was like, well, you could, you could do what I do, just teach college. And I was like, I would love that. Cause I don't really like kids to be honest with you. Sorry to all the parents listening. Uh, but I find them annoying. I have dogs, um, but young adults, I love, you know, I had that kind of early buck sergeant stuff going on in me still. And I never really got a chance to express, to be a leader, you know, so young adults, college classroom, uh, taking some of that, transferring it over and picking up the next steps. Uh, that's what I was going for. And so I started, I set out to be an English professor. Um, you know, you know, I was able to get my associate's degree in a year, then my bachelor's in three total in English literature. And then I did my master's in a year after that. And then I went up to the University of Kentucky and started working on my doctorate, which took a long time, like five years. And then I got out in the job market and there were no English professor jobs. So I, <laughs> yeah, there were, there were two in the entire state of Kentucky, it turned out. Um, and I'm, I'm geographically where I want to be. So I, I started looking for other types of jobs in higher ed where I could teach. And I, I now find myself in charge of designing all of the freshman seminars on on campus. And I direct our veteran studies academic program, which I created uh, when I was still a master's student, which is really an odd story because, uh, thinking of a student designing and proposing curriculum to tenured professors is really unheard of. Yes. And, EKU where I was at at the time was at that that year 2010 2011 one of the best schools in the country for vets and still is but it was number one those years and uh, I told them I was like hey we're number one for vets let's think outside the box and do something and I got an idea and they let me run with it and uh, I had to leave for a while and I came back and now I'm directing that program that I started a long time ago and that's where I'm at now I love this so much so I love that you went back to where you failed yeah, well, yeah. you know, I went back Motivated. to the very picnic table where I decided to fail, actually. Uh, wow. I, I sat at a table watching people go into class one day, and I said, I, I just, I was afraid to tell people. I was telling people I was doing well, like I was still going to class. I hadn't been going to class. 
but I was like embarrassed. And I just sat at a picking table one day. I was like, man, this, this ain't working. What am I going to do? And you know, all heart to heart with yourself. And I was like, I'm going to go in the army, you know, I'm going to go do that. And I'm going to get some discipline. I'm going to learn some self-respect and I'm going to, you know, when I get back here, I'm going to do it right. So I never had intention of doing a career in the military. I was always foreign done and um, loved it, loved it to death. It made me better as a human being, as a person. I got to see 16 countries in four years. That's, you know, somebody, most of my family never left the state, you know, so um, yeah, it was, it was, it was important to me to go back and show that I had changed and grown. I recently just had one of those very cathartic moments and it happened to be at the Santa Monica Pier over in uh, Jeff Daly's side of the country. Uh, and I'll tell you what, there was something really meaningful about going back almost 10 years later and thinking about all the things that you've done, right? Like taking that pride, right? That discipline, the, the skills, the, the priorities, the things that have, have changed, like different versions of you, right? Former chapters of yourself and coming to that conclusion, right? That everything has kind of happened in time and place to allow me to be who I am right now. And I yeah. think that's incredibly meaningful to a lot of listeners out there to, you know, to yourself, Travis, I think, bravo, credit to you. I mean, and to start a program for curriculum, I happened to work in higher ed uh, while I was in school dabbling with the National Guard for eight years. I knew what it, I knew what it was like to have those conversations with people who just thought, oh, well, they're just here. They're, they just saw dollar signs when they saw veterans, right? Yeah. They have GI Bill. Okay. So they're good. They don't need anything else. So kudos for standing up a program and, you know, building that curriculum and changing people's lives. Like that's legacy. And that's, I think where that meaning and continued service comes from that we see a lot with our, with our Legion family. Absolutely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. T-Dog. Get me. Time for Time for you. Can I be J Dog? No. J Dog. Yeah, can, we can J-dog. all be dogs. It's cool, man. Told you I love dogs. So with our yeah. squad, I could just see us in slow motion walking together in a, our pack, in our pack there. So uh, you, your military experience shaped your academic trajectory, uh, to use Ashley's uh, word that of the day here. And and you, you, you got through, you got educated, you stacked those bookshelves behind you. You see what I have, the, the whoopee. I don't know. It's camouflaged. I can't see anything behind you. It's the, <laughs> and oh, I think that go. came, did you this steal that from the property. army, by the way? That, that no, no, I stole that blanket? from the military, which is the Marine Corps. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. See, that's my own, my, uh, what's it called? Implicit bias there. I assumed you were army because <laughs> we're the, we're the no, biggest no, there's and enough, the best. There's I'd enough. be embarrassed see? if I was. There's enough of you. There's enough of you on the screen. Uh, enough of yours. There's two and of us on here. I'm sorry. Two too many. It's exactly. So what I learned a new word today because of this experience, and it wasn't trajectory. I actually knew that one. Um, it's the bibliotherapy. Yeah. And and how that. So uh, I, I guess you had some PTS and. You you conquered that, went through academic, and now you're you're serving the serves the servers now, and you, you you talk about bibliotherapy, which I thought meant reading for therapy, and I was like, oh, there's no way I can do that, and then uh, super producer Holly, she edified me uh, that it's journaling. For... It can be it can be either or. Uh, you Boom. Know. 
Bam. Thank you. There's you a script of therapy as well. Uh, there's all kinds of artistic inter- interventions. Um, and really, it's about just thinking about what you're what you're feeling. It's mindfulness, same thing they teach in the in the therapies that we give the VA. And just to, just to clarify, you, you said I've conquered PTS. I, I have not. You know, I I still have days, and I always will. I think, and I think it's important that people know out there if you are struggling with this, especially if you're fresh out of service, you can learn to manage your symptoms. You can learn to get good treatment from good providers. It takes time. It's hard, and I'm not going to lie and say that the bureaucracy is pleasant. But you can still accomplish your goals in life with this. You just got to be careful and you got to find people you trust to support you. Well, I guess I would say that you, uh, you, I guess the clarification would be you, you conquered your goals in spite of then. Yeah. PTS. You, sure. you, yeah. I, I apologize if it sounded like that it was behind you now. because uh, No, I just, I, you know, I'm doing really well. I'm very fortunate. And I would hate for someone to say, oh, t-dog slash dr martin did it but you know he he conquered ptsd you know he's better and it's not true i, I haven't conquered anything i you know like i said i'm a human being and uh these 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 symptoms still come and go and you know they're provoked at times i don't even expect but for the most part i've learned a lot of strategies i did 10 years in therapy y'all. 10 years of va therapy and army therapy so i i it took me a long time so keep hang with it if you're still if you're working if you're on that journey yourself and you're listening I don't know if you know this, Ashley, but T-Dog has his very special uh, accomplishment. So he, he got to sergeant in the army, but he's now a lifelong colonel. What do you yeah. think of that promotion? He got that day one of being in college. Day one. He became a colonel instantly because that is the mascot of Eastern Kentucky. He's an Eastern Kentucky colonel slash sergeant. And I have to ask you, if you're in Kentucky and you become a colonel, do you do they tell you what the secret herbs and spices at KFC? is? Oh, my gosh. I was just thinking that. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) not. My question. Absolutely not. That is a that is a they don't just automatically hand you an envelope and go. They don't do yourself. They don't, but I'll tell you what you do get. All right. Any Kentucky resident anywhere in the world can go into a KFC. If it's in Japan, Germany, Russia, it doesn't matter and claim political asylum. So let's say like I was in Germany and I'm in trouble and the Pulitzer are coming after me. If I'm walk over the threshold into a KFC, I don't have to order anything as a Kentucky resident. I have political immunity from whatever it is. It's, it's a little, uh, kind of side clause. Whenever you order your food, it's on the bottom of the receipt in real small print, but it's there. And I've but used it still many, many times, many times have I escaped the authorities. They're still going to charge you for the treat. Read the fine print, folks. Lessons today. Soda bomb tea dog. There's no free food there, but you get no, no. You asylum. try to steal from KFC, they're going to get you. Like they're going to come after <laughs> you. Like, <laughs> well, th- thank you for that. And uh, so this Journal of Military Experience. Uh, I saw we did we did a legion.org story on you uh, a little while back. Tell me about the, do you call it JME? Do you have we call it the JME life? for a while, yeah. Um, yeah so, so the military's still in you? It is. It is very much. Uh, so that the first class I was asked to teach was an orientation to college for student vets. And I had gotten, as you said, into bibliotherapy as a way of helping me kind of acclimate. And it's less about, for me anyway, about writing about traumatic experiences than it is trying to figure out who you are now 
and fitting in all that stuff into your complete identity. And that's kind of what this whole book is about that we're talking about. Um, but the classes that I had of veterans, I would offer them extra credit opportunities or just opportunities for a free editor, me, uh, to write stories and do art about what they'd experienced. And I just, uh, you know, I started getting them over and over and I expanded uh, beyond those classes out into the whole country. And we did three volumes of that. And I eventually spun that out of EKU into the community and started a nonprofit, 501c3, called Military Experience in the Arts. And uh, I did that for four and a half years uh, as editor-in-chief, did about 500 works uh, in eight edited collections and two, two symposiums. So about 100, 150 people each getting workshops for three days, no expenses. And uh, so, yeah, that's how I got into the therapeutic arts community as a whole. Met a lot of really cool people. All right. Well, appreciate that. Ashley. I have so many things to say. I'm so excited. I, this is like touching on all of the things for me today. Uh, I love journaling. I was just telling Jeff earlier, I was like, I've been writing some really great poetry. It's come from a very raw state. And to your point, like being in therapy, understanding PTS more intimately myself, like journaling is very cathartic. And there's something about pen to paper, like you can type stuff out, you can voice to text, you can do some, you know, voice journaling, but it's, it's really just, it just kind of cleanses the soul a little bit. And you're right. It really improves your self-awareness. And I highly recommend anyone to, to, to try it just to try it. So kudos for starting, you know, a nonprofit and all of these that nonprofit's still still in operation. It's run by another army veteran. You'll be happy to hear Jeff, uh, David Irvin, and they they still take submissions throughout the year, and they publish a work called "As You Were." So yeah, oh, love that, love that title. Yeah. So, as I was, question time. Wow. So. Tell me a little bit more about the establishment of the Kentucky Center for Veteran Studies at Eastern Kentucky University. Okay. So I told you I'd started the academic program back whenever I was a master's student. We designed it in 2010, launched its first classes in 11. Then I had to go do a doctorate and all kinds of things. So I couldn't stay there and do that. Uh, but I came back uh, about four years ago, a little under four years ago, and I was able to take over the director spot. And, you know, my philosophy, this isn't a program for veterans primarily, this is for non-vets and that's what we're doing different. Like we're trying to get the other side of the equation, like the people that they're interacting with, educating them how to be uh, kind, respectful, knowledgeable about veterans issues. Um, try to teach them empathy really more than anything. Yeah. And um, I decided, you know, like there's a, there's a real career incentive for this and that, you know, there's going to be 18 million veterans in the country and these people are going to go out and, they're going to work alongside veterans, the, the social work, psychologists, people like that. They may want to work in the VA. Uh, police officers are going to interact with veterans on the street. Business managers are going to hire veterans. All these people are likely to encounter veterans in their careers at some point. And so if we can teach them some, some skills in terms of like uh, identity and intersectionality in terms of the, the, how to look at a person as an individual, as opposed to a stereotype or some sort of limited understanding of who they are and what they've been through, rather being able to stop and break down what that veteran tells you about when they served, where they served, how they served, and how that service is impacting them now, then we can send hundreds of students out into the world every year to, to go out and hopefully make it a little bit better. And so when I incorporated the kind of stuff like internships and uh, service learning, like every student takes class, finds a veteran, records their oral history, and archives it, for example. 
These are freshmen, sophomore students. Get net, most of them never talk to a veteran in a meaningful way. If we can get them invested in that, then the program then itself becomes a benefit to the community, becomes a benefit to the students' future career goals. And so I redubbed it the Kentucky Center for Veteran Studies, uh, you know, hoping to build partnerships with you know organizations and businesses and government entities and things like that to provide our students opportunities. Outstanding. Yep. Thank you. So. So if we go back to the beginning when we, when we first met you, uh, you, you went back to school and said you wanted to be a writer. Yes. And you have accomplished that. And if anyone needs proof, there's a new book coming out, War and Homecoming, Veteran Identity in the Post-9-11 Generation. Whoa, no, no, hold it up. Uh, and I'm going to say it again. War and Homecoming, Veteran Identity and the post 9-11 generation. I had to say it in my late night TV commercial voice so that it stays in the brain of people. But wait, there's more. Uh, can, you, can you tell us, can you speak to this book and who you wrote it for, who should read it? Obviously you're gonna say everybody should read it, um, but who'd, who'd you write it for and, and where did it come from? You know, I... I... I had my little brother in mind as my as my target audience as I was writing, and I also had you know people in higher ed that I'd worked with who didn't know a lot about vets and uh, family members. Uh, so my brother is in the Navy, and you know my imagine him getting out was you know going through a lot of the kind of philosophical conundrums that I was going through, like who am I? Why, why do I feel these pressures to be this way or be that way? And so I'm hoping that veterans would pick up this book to kind of see. Uh, from an objective point of view, uh, if that's even possible, you know, the, the, the competing forces that are in their lives telling them that veterans are this way or veterans are that way or veterans have this political affiliation or this religious background, typically all this, this stereotyping or just the superficiality, aggressive superficiality, I would say, in, in the treatment of veterans a lot of times. Uh, the thank you for your service urge or the yellow or a bumper sticker, just avoiding real conversations, the stuff I try to teach in the veteran studies program. So this book is about that. It's about how those things impact a veteran's homecoming in real ways. It's about, you know, like somebody like me, if I had been sent, you know, a different set of messaging and I had bought into it, you know, would I have accomplished my goals? I don't know that I would have. And I've seen people just kind of give up on themselves, give up on the path to recovery, give up on, uh, you know, their service as part of something that's who they are now because they feel that they have to leave that behind. And for me, my best successes came when I was able to integrate it into who I wanted to become. And I think that society often, you know, not consciously a lot of times, but maybe unconsciously discourages that because veterans are, you know, they're different. They're, they're different than everyone else. They've experienced a unique set of experiences that give them a common reference for how to walk, how to talk, uh, you know, we have our inner branch rivalries. We have all these different cultures from the eras that we were in. And so, you know, a lot of times when we talk about vets though, it's, you know, as a monolith, there's one big group of people, they're all the same. They all feel the same and they're all the same. It's just not true. You all know this as well as I do. So the book's about that. And it's about the tangible effects that these stereotypes, both good and bad stereotypes, simplistic or, uh, treating veterans as a victim class, which happens a lot, can have negative influences on on the on individuals. So is it is it stories? Is it uh, data driven? Both. Both. It's, uh, oh. You know, I I take the research and I frame it in vignettes of uh, my own my own life, 
And I try to do that because I, I want to address a scholarly audience, but I also want the common reader to be able to pick it up and not be so bored by the, the, the numbers and the, the citations and everything that they just put it down. It's a, it's an easy to follow book that kind of, you know, by using my stories, you know, one of the, the researchers in there calls autobiographical accounts, a shortcut for explaining things. And so I'm just drawing upon my military service and experiences as a shortcut to, to make this point. And that's actually one of the points that's going to meta a little bit and that, you know, veterans have a symbolic authority in our culture. We have, you know, this respect because we were willing to serve, but what do we do with it? And do we always have the option to do something with that authority to go out and make a claim about how veterans are being treated or about how our wars are run or how, uh, you know, like this thing with the burn pit registry recently, you know, veterans themselves have the authority to come forward and say, this is what happened and this is how it was treated. But I didn't hear a lot of veterans talking. I heard veterans groups representing veterans, you know, but in the media, it was a lot of pundits who weren't veterans or it was advocates like John Stewart or the civilian population talking about what this means. Veterans themselves are the strongest advocates and lending their stories of their service to causes, be they related to veterans or not, is one of the abilities that they have. So I want them to embrace that. I want all veterans to go out and say, this is, you know, I'm a veteran in the military and I have a say in, in how our country regards us. Wow. So you, so the book is both data and stories. So uh, I'm going to sound academic for a second please forgive me. So you've bridged qualitative and quantitative data to, to get your message across. I never thought that I would use that outside of college. Um, my professors, please be proud. Uh, so where can we get this book? Uh, is it on Amazon? Is it it's on Amazon. It's on all of your, your preferred vendors. You can get it as an ebook. You can get it as a hardcover, uh, you know, through the University Press of Kentucky. Kentucky. All right, Ashley, I know I, I know you do that thing with your eyes, looking at paper and pulling images of text and translating it into words with reading. I know you read. So uh, I know you heard about that book. Do you have any last uh, thoughts about or questions about the book? Well, I'm excited to read it. I enjoy that you're using both anecdotal parts of your own story with vignettes and and stats like data. I'm a very like key, you know, performance indicators kind of person. Like I like to know the evaluation. I think it's just as important for anything that you create. Um, and I'm really excited. I, th I think it's a it's a it'll be a great tool for somebody to just pull out of their toolbox and maybe be like a survival guide of sorts, right? So many kudos to you for making that happen. Um, and look at you, published author. You got, you're just, you're writing your own story, man. I love it. Thank you. I love it. That's what I want everybody to do. That's the whole point. I want veterans to write their own stories, not let them be written for them. Absolutely. So if you read this book and you don't like it and you're a veteran, I want you to go out and use your veteran authority, symbolic authority to challenge everything I have to say. Just completely shoot me down. I'm fine with that. That's so all we always Hey, we all got something to say, you know, and some of the book, I tell stories about how I wasn't always regarded seriously uh, when I would draw up on my military service in higher ed. And I think that happens in industry as well as all over the place. You know, let's give veterans some benefit of the doubt about what they experienced and let them uh, lead the way when it comes to addressing their issues. Awesome. Well, if you haven't done so, 
I there's I have a photo request and not a weird one that people do on the internet these days. I would love you to hold that book while and read it. You can pretend to read because I'm I'm sure you've read it eight thousand times by now. Um, at that picnic table, that picnic table to me is legendary. I mean, I do that. You, you change your life at that picnic table. So, yeah. yep, that's that's the image. I actually have that image in my head right now. You sitting at a picnic table reading that book, and um, and I I think that image can inspire, um, and it can get your get your story out there to even more people because uh, I I do think it's important. I want to thank you for being here today. I want to thank you for um, speaking in terms that even a marine like myself can understand and yet still keep Ashley in, interested. That's that's a balance there because I don't use trajectory every day. I just don't, I'm just- hey, And just to give to you some props, give you some props, Jeff, and everyone listening instead of watching, he hasn't eaten a single crown yet, not one. <laughs> and there's a red one there, calling my yes. name. Uh, <laughs> but I'm gonna wait till we get off here. So what's gonna happen next, uh, T-Dog? We're going to talk about you without you. I don't know if yes. you're comfortable with that. Love and that. Uh, you're going to have to wait till this episode airs to hear what we really, really think. And uh -oh. we're going to we're going to do that. Unless you have some, do you have some last shout outs or or. No, let me add it. Just let me add it. Like your is... pearls of wisdom or your editor, your. You know, I, I I think I've shared all the points I, I have. Now I'm I'm thinking about how you guys are gonna like shoot them all down one at a time when I'm not listening. But I'm actually a little excited about that. Um, as I explained earlier, you know, this is when we were offline. It's how uh, yeah, academic critics get at each other. They just pick a nemesis and go at them. So I think you might be starting a rivalry here, Jeff. You're gonna take <laughs> old T Dog down to four thousand. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I don't want to start that rivalry. Um, I see your I see your ammunition behind you, and I would lose that battle pretty quickly. Uh, but listeners are thinking now. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for being here. Uh, we we learned a lot, and uh, I love broadcasting that knowledge out there. And we are going to talk about you, but so we're gonna we're gonna send we're gonna send you home to think about what you've done here, and then Ashley and I are gonna talk about this after the break. Hi, this is Tony Kanan, and I'm proud to support the American Legion 100 Miles for Hope Fitness Challenge. When you join 100 Miles for Hope, you'll be joining American Legion family members around the world and getting in shape supporting our nation's disabled veterans and military families. You don't have to be a race car driver or a triathlete like me to participate. You can run, walk, bike, and even swim. Just keep moving. The best part is that every dollar we raise will provide important funds to help disabled veterans and military families in times of need. To learn more, sign up and visit legion.org slash 100 miles. Well, my takeaway is I feel super inadequate. Um, that man, just the wall of books alone, Makes me feel like I've made some poor life decisions and all the work that he's doing to positively, positively affect other people and continually positively affecting himself makes me want to re-examine some things. 
So what were your takeaways? I hope they're better. Um, well, I'm sorry that I guess, well, that's pretty on brand for you. Okay, so T-Dog, <laughs> 5,000, Travis, Dr. Martin, all of his names. You said 5,000, right? 5,000, of course. It's 5,000. 5,000, yeah, we discussed. He's, he's like upgrade next level yeah, with yeah. all of the work that he's been doing. I mean, the way that he is transforming a dialogue, right? The narrative for, for veterans at, um, at, you know, Eastern Kentucky university to his book about what he's doing. And it's always really nice to hear from vets who have found their continued service through other mediums. And that medium just happens to be, you know, bibliotherapy and creating, you know, the, the journal of military experience. And it's interesting how his moment where he felt failure, right? That moment on that picnic bench led him to a different path. And to be able to revisit that, I think is very powerful because no matter where we are in our life, you just sometimes have to take stock in where you are and appreciate the version of yourself that you are and reflect on what has happened and who you want to be. So- Travis is very motivating and inspiring, and I hope that folks go and check out his book, uh, War and Homecoming, Veteran Identity and the post 9 Generation, and they, they have a takeaway from it. I know I'm excited to read it myself and, of course, give you the cliff notes, Jeff. All right. I'm, hopefully, it'll be a book on tape someday. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to leave the academic world. We're going to get into my favorite part of the day every day. And it is time for T-A-L Range Day Rapid Fire. Pew, 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 pew. And we have quite a range of topics to discuss today. Number one, I don't know if you know, like sometime in the, in the recent history, uh, the PAC deck cleared the final hurdle to the president's desk. The story is in the Ameri- on the American Legion website. We are on the spot. Tonight, the U.S. Senate passed historic legislation that will make the difference in the lives of millions of American veterans. American Legion National Commander Paul E. Dillard said, after some unusual delays for a bill that is largely largely identical to what passed on June 16th, a bipartisan majority of senators voted in favor of the Sergeant First Class Heath Robinson honoring our PACT Act this act will save lives and offer health care and benefits to those exposed to the poisons of the war while serving our country. The most important piece of this is Dillard pointed out that the Legion's grassroots advocacy helped ensure the bill's approval. That's where I kind of want to focus. This is old news now, the actual act and how good it is and blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the key piece here in the, our rapid fire today is how legionnaires and actually veterans, not just legionnaires, but we we favor legionnaires. And I'd like to say they all followed our lead. I don't know if that's true or not, but for our purposes, it is. And you know, we we they showed up for this. I don't know. Did you did you did you hear any scuttlebutt from legionnaires and calling their senators or clicking on the voter voice? I definitely did. Uh, I actually knew several legionnaires who were up on Capitol Hill protesting. 
like all night, like fire guard style. Like this is ridiculous. Everyone get your stuff together. <laughs> yeah. So I knew some people up on the Hill, uh, very motivating in the rain, by the way, just up there, like not today. So we're going to, we're going to make it happen. So I was very impressed. And I know that there were several legionnaires out there. And I, I was impressed with what was going on across the country. And I don't know if people really know this. Um, we have an American Legion voter voice page, Action Center. And uh, Liz Hartman on North Carolina is a friend of mine. And she's been, she's on the Legislative Council uh, for at National. And she has been bombarding this. And she will not let people like me not rebroadcast that and putting up stats on how many people in each state. Uh, this is one of those things where I think part of the, the, the legion, the legion that is struggling a little bit is we don't communicate what we do on a daily basis. And we, and uh, I don't mean to like counter what you said, but I think they think everything, we focus too much on what our DC people do mm-hmm. for legislation and not what we can do. We could, all I had to do was click on a thing and I got to be a hero for about five seconds because I took action to better these people's lives. And then I reposted it and I got to be a hero for another minute at a time. And I constantly got to keep putting on this cape. And I think that what we do, what we do, in Idaho, Michigan, Ohio, I said it in a positive light, Florida, like wherever you happen to be, you can do these things. Like God love the people that sat in the rain, love them. Like it, it, it added to the impact. But if those few hundred people were all that happened and they weren't getting bombarded on their email, bombarded on their phones from the rest of us, it would have made their their efforts less effective. So I, I do want to, I do want to point out, and I know super producer Holly already has the link notes because I just called them link notes. That's amazing. I just made up a thing. So, because I, I want, I want us to be prepared to act at a moment's notice. So even though this is over and if you didn't get to voter voice in time, sign up now, check the little box that says, let us email you when we need you. Then you too can put on the same cape I had. It's imaginary, but it is beautiful and it is powerful. And it let me, whoa, you're going to have to work harder to get that. But it gives you the power. And I want, I, that wasn't very rapid, but sorry. Sorry. And sorry. Just letting you go with it, bud. You're doing great. I know. So passionate today. I'll fire it up. I'm, I'm passionate every day ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, rapid fire two. Rapid fire. <laughs> holster that there, buddy bear. Pew, pew. Rapid fire two. Uh-oh. Here you go. Ready? Oh boy. National guard. Hmm. It's going to be good. Never mind. Hey. National guard rescues hundreds amid flooding in Kentucky. Um, 37, unfortunately passes comes from military.com. Since Governor Andy Bashir declared a state of emergency in Kentucky on July 26th, the National Guard has been working at a furious pace to try to rescue residents trapped amid record floods. The Kentucky National Guard, along with partners from bordering states, 
Do we know a state that borders Kentucky? I, yes, we do. I don't know. Uh, do we? Oh, yeah. Ohio oh, borders yeah. Kentucky. Uh, yep, I passed that class. Along with partners from bordering states, has rescued an estimated 580 people, according to Kentucky Guard spokesperson Lieutenant Colonel Carla Raisler. The unit will soon be transitioning to food and water distribution for those affected by the disaster, she told military.com. I want to point out, and I'm going to send it to you. The National Guard here, awesome. And I forget that there's, I don't forget, I know there's an Air National Guard, but I didn't know they had, they have PJs like, like our guest, like our, our guest on a different show. They have PJs, they have special forces in the, in the reserves, in the guard, and mm -hmm. they were doing para, paramilitary uh, rescues. Mm -hmm. So we, are you proud of your guard today? I'm sorry more than you are every day? I am proud of the guard. Always, period. People first always, period. Nice, nice. And I'm gonna find out, um, and then we're, when we're done with the rapid fire, we're gonna go back, I'm gonna have you, do you see what Super Producer Holly put in our notes? I did. About oh, the yeah. PAC Act. We're going to get back to the PAC Act because we can't have enough of it. Um, and I ranted so long that you didn't get to do that last part. But we're going to get back to you. But first, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to rapid fire number pew, 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 number three. Thanks. Pelosi pledges solidarity with Taiwan as China holds military drills, vents anger. This comes from Reuters. Uh, China furiously condemned the highest level U.S. visit to Taiwan in 25 years as House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi hailed the self-ruled island as one of the freest societies in the world and pledged American solidarity. Beijing demonstrated its anger with Pelosi's presence on an island that it says is part of China with a burst of military activity in surrounding waters summoning the U.S. ambassador in Beijing and halting several agricultural imports from Taiwan. Uh, my feedback to this is, China, are you mad? You're mad right now. Are you mad? That's all I have to say. I mean, good on Nancy. Her and Chuck agree on something. Uh, wait, what? What? Oh, uh, her and McConnell actually agreed on something that this visit was a great idea. Uh, I think this is what we do. Bipartisan support in terms of like defending our defending our ideals, uh, at least the basic ideals of things in the world. We, what do you think of Nancy's visit and what do you think the long term ramifications might be? I think stuff's starting to be heating up over there. I think that's the next, that's the next hotspot that everyone needs to be eyes on. Taiwan. Yeah. I think 100%. they're going to try to security invade it. Being one of our pillars, the American Legion. Oh yeah. It's a hotspot and uh, it's going to be very contentious. So I think we all should be, be very mindful of, you know, like occurring events, right. Or at least going on Ukraine and Russia also being cognizant of 
everything that's transpiring there, thinking about the economy, thinking about national security. Is, is Taiwan going to be the next Ukraine? Honestly, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. It wouldn't put it past me. And you remember we talked about the, you know, the Marine Corps retooled to become an island by island warfare. And, um, and I said, on the surface, don't sound very smart, but maybe they know stuff I don't know. I'm sure all of this intelligence yeah. that this was coming, they knew about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So uh, for your, I don't have any shout outs. Do you have any shout outs? I don't. Not today. Can you, uh, can you let the good people know? Of course. About the, the PAC deck and how it, how it affects them, if it does affect them. Oh. This is from a place you know pretty well, the, the veterans, the VA. Do you know about that place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's being humble. She works there. She works at the VA. So to those veterans, their families, caregivers, and survivors, you can apply for PACT Act benefits by filing your claim at the VA. And you can learn more about the PACT Act at the VA.org backslash PACT. That's P-A-C-T. Or by calling us at 1-800-MY-VA-411. We'll be communicating with you at every step of the way to make sure that you or your loved one gets the benefits that you've earned. And that's, that's from the VA. So it's not from us, not from us, from the VA. So for those who are aware um, and have questions, please, you know, now that, now that things are being pushed forward and moving quickly, be advised that like you can, you know, file your claim for the VA. And, and talk I would to your give, service officer. Of I would give them a minute. This is going to be new information yeah. to filter down to the post. Good point. Um, so either talk to them to get help, or if they can't help you, call that number and then go back to your service officer and go have people call this number. Because um, our, our service officers are really great at referring people out, but mm-hmm. they kind of have to know where to refer them to. So hopefully we this information gets filtered down to all the appropriate people. I think, Ashley, this is my first episode, not with you there at the Vienna Post. It's gone okay. Um, but I'm going to see you again soon. Well, I'm going to see you really soon, actually, mm-hmm. uh, here in Los Angeles. And then I'm going to see you again with cheese curds, cheese curds and beer in Milwaukee. I'm so excited. What are you more excited about, cheese curds or beer? Both, equally. Yeah, you can't have one. If you're in beer. Milwaukee, you can't have one without the other. Beer, 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 beer. So if you, if uh, if All you're going to be out there, uh, you can find us anywhere where there's cheese, curds, and beer. Beer, and cheese, super- sausage. Beer, cheese, sausage. Oh yeah, super producer Holly loves the cheese sausage. I'm gonna try it for the I first time. I think one. she's yeah. giggling like a 12 year old. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Ashley, it's, I think it's time that. We it get is out time. of here. It's time. it's time. It's time. So friendly reminders to all of our alphas out there. Do not forget to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your podcasts. And also share us with a friend or many friends or all of your friends. Or hey, put our YouTube channel up at your post and let it just play on one of your TVs. Ideas, you know, fun things from your... <laughs> we'll go there. <laughs> If you do have a guest recommendation, 
go to legion.org backslash tango waffle lima and click on the suggested guest link if you have someone that you think we should be speaking with or someone in your community vice versa we are super excited to have them on and see if they're a good fit and all the above so i'll leave it to you jeff all right if you're coming to the national convention in milwaukee as we just said please do us a favor uh stop by the tango Alpha lima booth and say howdy super producer holly wrote hello i'm gonna say howdy or because you're in the midwest say hey guys and we'll be hanging out near the entrance to the exhibit hall and can't wait to see you uh that's in a little bit but right now i'm gonna go ahead and do it i'm gonna declare it season three episode one two zero mission come on please